Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Thursday evening. I think it's actually Friday morning on the East Coast, which is where Tim Bontemps went to the Golden State Warriors-New York Knicks game at Madison Square Garden tonight, won by the Warriors. They won their seventh consecutive road game. Mr. Bontemps, hello. Everybody on the pod's a winner today. Really? My co-hosts get to tell me that they're right. And I we were, get out we were, of doing, and I get out of doing extra work. Big we, wins all around. We were not going to bring it up because we have respect for you. No, we don't. Oh, that's that's one hundred percent incorrect. You brought will, it up. You yeah, brought I brought it up because I brought it up preemptively. It's a preemptive strike. I wasn't. We, and again, as I'm happy, as I'm happy, wins all around. Less we work. Weren't, we were not going to do that. And congratulations. Joining us, joining us from Dallas, Texas, is Ben McMahon. Howdy, partners. I was definitely going to bring it up. I was definitely going to rub your face in it. And I definitely will uh, in the very near future. Here. <laughs> All right. Well, on Thursday night, we got our third Spurs Thunder game of the season. Uh, actually, the fourth, because I'm going to mm-hmm. always remember the preseason oh, yeah. game when I might have invoked. Where the discovery was partially made. When I After the invo- earlier discoveries. When I might have invoked Magic Johnson and uh, Larry Bird talking about when Benyama Chetland Might have. Out. Might have. The challenge for the first two games of this uh, little series was that the Thunder won both games by 30 points. But Victor Wembanyama put on a absolute display in a great back and forth with Chet Holmgren, you know, on Thursday. It was in San Antonio, the Spurs' first game back since their rodeo road trip ended. I just believe there's not going to be too many times in the coming future where these two guys are going to play where it's not going to be on national TV. It was through some terrific sequences uh, in that game. Chet and Victor spent a lot of time guarding each other, probably more than they did the first two times, although I don't have data on that. It just, it felt like it um, watching some of it back. I was at uh, the first half of the Wizards um, Lakers game, so I didn't get to see it live, but I watched some of it back and um, it felt like they were on each other a lot. Look, Chet had a great game. He had 23 points, uh, seven rebounds, five assists, and a block. But Victor Wembanyama, who has been just increasingly spectacular over the last few weeks and, you know, is just starting to threatening to put up five-by-five five games left and right. He's putting up five-by-four games regularly, which he has done, which he did um, uh, again in this one with, <coughs> excuse me, 28 points. 13 rebounds, seven assists, two steals, and five blocks. He made five three-pointers, three of them in the fourth quarter. There was some sequences in this game, guys. Uh, I know you guys have watched them. That just gives you the future for for Victor, where he would hit a three at one end, come down, get a block at the other, uh, challenge a shot at the rim, come down, pass to a teammate for, for a shot. Just absolutely the stuff that the dreams are made of with Victor. The Spurs are a very bad team. It irritates Victor rather clearly that they're such a bad team. It's hard to get into Victor because the team is so bad and so many of his performances come in games that are not close. But it's an absolute, just incredible thing to watch this guy get better. And it's really awesome to watch him play against Chet where they completely dazzle with their ability to can mix the size and skill. And by the way, the Thunder had won six consecutive games coming into this one by double digits. Six-game winning streak all by double digits. They were red hot coming into this game. Shea scored, Shea Gilles Alexander scored over 30, which he does every night. Mm-hmm. Jalen Williams, J-Dub had an excellent game. 
it wasn't like they had a night where they shot, you know, 31% and, you know, packed it in. Like it was a real game. They played hard. And I know you were able to watch it live, McMahon, and um, you were really active on the group chat about what you were seeing. It's awesome. It is an awesome budding rivalry between two rising stars in this league who uh, I believe they respect each other. They don't like each other. You know, they fist bump at the beginning of the games and then they go at each other's throat. And I love the fact that they don't want to be all buddy-buddy. You know, they want to one-up each other. They both had some great moments uh, in this game. I mean, Chet had some moves where he went right at Wimby. There's one where it goes at him off the dribble, you know, into a, a, a spin move, into a little up and under scores on him. You know, he, he had another one where uh, Wimby's closing out on him and he drives and dunks. That was to to pull within three with like, I don't know, four minutes left or so. And then Wimby just took the game over from there. And the sequence that I think just locked up rookie of the year for Wimby was when he comes down and hits about a 27-footer. To That that was a dagger to put the Spurs up nine with, with not a lot of time left. And then the next possession, Chet's trying to go ISO, and he's, I mean, he's deep in his bag, you know, between the legs, behind the backs, you know, step back. And Wimby just snuffed that shot, just snatched it out of the air. It's a stuff, a rebound, all in one motion. Chet ends up on his butt. That's ball game. And again, this is not a Wimby. There's a sorry. button there. Did you, sorry. <laughs> did you see how he reacted when he, when he did that? You know, because it was like a such a moment and it was against Chet. Mm-hmm. Like Victor looked over to the bench and like, you know, gave like a, a little celebration. Oh yeah. They really, really, really don't want to make this about each other. Both of them feel the same way, but there's no avoiding it. It's about each other. Period. And they're competitors. And it's yes. it's awesome. You know, it's not like they're out there like cheap shotting each other. I mean, everything is clean competition, but it is fierce competition. That goes back to like you said. We can talk about the preseason game. It goes back to the under-19 uh, Team USA versus France meeting. And, and what happened in the hallway after that preseason game, Wendy? Yeah, I don't want to go over that again. It'll go your team. No, we, we do not. Well, it's just, there I mean, a, we've just, we have talked about that enough. I'm we, just we saying. We know the story. There's some intensity there. Yes. And it, like, you know, Jackson just dropped uh, in the chat here. This is the first time in NBA history that somebody's had 25 points, 10 rebounds, five blocks, five assists, and five made threes. I think we're going to look up in a few years, and Wimby's going to have like 25 or 30 of those games. And he, the three-point shooting's really come along for him. He was five of seven tonight. One of the misses was like, okay, dude, you're being a little aggressive. He had Chet in his face, and you try to do this like sidestep, deep step back type thing, and it's just like, okay, relax. And there were times where honestly Chet was over dribbling because you could tell they really want to go at each other. And it's funny. I think if you look at the last decade, maybe even going all the way back to LeBron, Chet might have been rookie of the year every single season with the exception of Luka and this year. Certainly over the last decade, Chet would have been rookie of the year, I think, every year except the year Luka won it until this year. That is how good he is to be an efficient, 18-point-per-game dominant rim protector uh, for a team that their chances to win the West regular season number one seed took a pretty major hit tonight, but is is right in the thick of things. Like, Chet is awesome. But, man, Wimby is 
living up to historic hype right now. Chet would have beat Luca too. Like I, I don't. I mean, you can again. You could say that because you're in Dallas. The reason why Chet is not going to win this year, like even now, like even after all this, like this month, right? This I'm looking at the numbers now. So Victor in the month of February, obviously they went two and ten. Set that aside. Individual numbers: twenty-one points a game, forty-seven percent shooting, forty-one percent three on five attempts a game, eighty-three from the line, ten point seven rebounds, four point five assists, three point nine blocks, two steals little under four turnovers a game. Obviously, crazy line, right? Here's Chet's line in the month of February. 19 points a game, 59% shooting from the field. Jesus. 45% shooting from three on five point five attempts a game. God, 84% from the foul line. 8.4 rebounds, 2.7 assists, 1.6 turnovers, 2.7 blocks, one steal. Jeez, oh man. I mean, these guys I, are the reason, ridiculous. Yes, the reason I've been talking about Chet the way I have all year, and like, look, Victor's going to win him rookie of the year. I agree with you. Like this moment today, the five by five the other day, like his, the way he's played this last month with these yeah. sensational performances, he's going to win rookie of the year because those are the things that people are going to, and I don't mean that in a negative sense. Like this is a narrative award as much as the MVP is a narrative award. And when you think about this season, like you said, big man, it's about Victor coming over here and playing to this level. Yeah, but that's but, not why he's going to win. Well, no. no. We don't have to talk about the rookie of the year. We don't we I just want, we can just talk no, about how I, well they're no, playing. No, no. Well, no, I'm agreeing with you. I'm I'm going back to McMahon's point about Luka Doncic. Like Luka had a great rookie year. This guy, Chet Holmgren, is having an unbelievable rookie year on a team that very well might be the best team in the Western Conference. The only reason he's not going to win this year is because this guy, Victor Wembanyama, is doing stuff we've just never seen before. Ever. Yeah. Like Luca came in and had triple doubles and was great. And obviously he had a great career in Europe. And like uh, we all thought he was going to be great and he was great. But the, Victor is doing I mean, stuff. He, he was a third pick in a draft. So two teams clearly didn't think well, he was going to be yeah, that look, great. We don't, we don't need to relitigate <laughs> why he didn't go first. When he, pick. Yeah. We don't need to relitigate why he didn't go first when he obviously should have. Well, we'll set all that aside. But Victor has shown up and is doing like he's just doing stuff. We don't, like you said, the five by five thing. He may have 35 by fives by the end of his career. This, this, this is something is that happens once every couple of years. Seven game spans averaging 20 points, 10 rebounds, five assists, five blocks. He's done it. David Robinson's done it. And Kareem's done it. That's it. That's the list. Not rookies ever. Players well, in the NBA period. Well, and here's the other part about Victor that we haven't really talked about a lot, but we've been around him each enough to sort of see it. And also in part because the team has been so bad, people haven't really seen it. I was reading through the transcript of his interviews after the game tonight. And I dropped a curse word on the court, which it was sort of a, led to a joking thing. But he talks about, he got asked about Greg Popovich throwing him the ball time and again in the fourth quarter. And about whether you are able to deal with being failing as a player. And talked about stuff for a while. Then he said this, I've been through a lot of challenges in my life, in my basketball life. So you have to live with this. It is what it is. You want to be great or you don't. Then he got asked later about whether rookie of the year means a lot to him. It's very important to me. And then he goes on to says other things. Yes, individual awards like rookie of the year are very important to me. This is a guy, and I don't mean any of this negatively. This is a guy who, for, as we've all talked about and have seen for a long time, has been trying to be great for years. Going back to when he, as Brian has written extensively about, and we've talked about in the pod. This is all stuff he's been dreaming about doing and trying to do 
since he was a kid. And he has come over here and is living up to the hype and is playing like this and is not afraid to say, yeah, I want the team to be, to win games. I want to win awards. When I was in Indianapolis, he was the one guy who said, I want to be the face of the league. Everybody mm-hmm. else, Anthony Edwards, everybody else. Oh, yeah, you know, I don't. He wanted to win the skills competition and was pissed off that Anthony Edwards right. was messing around on his yeah. team. Yes. He has and legendary this, talent, and he is determined to live up to it. Yes, and that's where it's going to be fascinating to see how things progress with the Spurs. Because By the way, look at, in, interesting real quick, he has played the entire fourth quarter, the last two games, the only full quarters he's played all season long. It's yeah. clear. Like, he wants to compete. He wants to compete for the rest of the season and then obviously moving forward. Well, and let's think real, just real quick. Let's think about the Victor-Chet rivalry, right? Like, Victor's going to win Rookie of the Year, barring an injury. Let's, like, knock on wood. Assuming, yeah. assuming health, he's going to win Rookie of the Year the way this is going, unless something crazy happens. But he's going to be sitting at home with a team mm-hmm. that's going to win 15 games. And Chet Holmgren might have the number one seed in the West, might be in the NBA Finals, probably won't be because they're a young team. But, like, they're going to be in the playoffs playing meaningful games, he's going to be in the center of all that, and Victor's going to be sitting at home. And, and, and I'm sure and look, if you're buying stock on a team, if you're saying, hey, the next five years, whose future do you like the best? If you're not picking the Thunder first, it's they're awfully high on that list. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it'd be hard not to pick them first. And, and, if you're, and if you're Victor and you're the Spurs looking at Victor, a guy who's hungry for success in every way, this is not a situation where you could sit back and say, oh, well, you know, we can have a three or four year slow build mm-hmm. and we can casually add pieces like what Shea Gilles Alexander has just mm-hmm. gone through in Oklahoma City, right? Like he was right. on board with, we're going to add a piece here. And he obviously wasn't this level player early, but there was never any complaining about, we're going to keep drafting players. We're going to keep having young guys. We're not going to go get ready, you know, guys who are going to step up our timeline. We're going to keep methodically putting this thing together. Like Victor does not seem like the kind of guy that's going to be cool with. Yeah, in three years we're going to have a chance to be a really good team. That does not seem like the Victor Wembanyama plan, especially when his biggest rival is on a team that's ready-made to be a championship-caliber team. Yeah, that's winning sixty games a year for the next five years, right? That's right. Um, Related and obviously small sample size, but Devin Vassell and Jeremy Sohan, their last two. Uh, lottery picks before Victor. And I would say the two guys who you can feel confident are keepers on the roster outside of Victor. Uh, they were both pretty damn good tonight too. I want to read a quote from Chet because Victor is a really terrific interview because he's um, he is forthcoming and he doesn't speak with an edge, but as you've talked about for months now, Bontemps, um, he does really have an edge with the way he talks. Chet is not like that. And he recently gave an interview to Joel Lorenzi from the Oklahoman. And he said something that I thought was very important that he's that, to know about him and understand about him and about how he operates in the game and how he talks to the media. Cause he doesn't speak very colorfully very often, mm-hmm. but this quote, was very colorful. He said, I don't even want to say this because it'd be taken the wrong way, but I want to move like a gangster, like LeBron, the way he moves. That's gangster to me. He don't bleep around. He has all those people with him. They handle their business. They handle 
he handles his. Just watching that and trying to move similar is super important because at the end of the day, nothing off the court can hurt you more than distractions and bleep around and having some something goofy happen. With how focused I am on the court, I don't want anything to take away from that by somebody doing something stupid. So what basically he's saying there is he wants to keep the main thing the main thing. I'll shorten that down for him so he doesn't have yes, to say that's right. things. And that's how he's operating. And so including playing center right from the jump, which is one has been one again, like we've said so many times, one of the most consequential things the whole season is that guy walking in and being an awesome center right away and not having to put somebody next to him. Yeah. And so I just think these two guys are very similar in a way that they're driven, not just that yes. their body size, but they're very, no, they very are, driven. They're very, they are, very competitive. Yes. Yeah. They are serious. They are both absolutely serious about handling their business. I think I might've mentioned this. Like I got a glimpse of Wimby's post-game workout when they're in Dallas because, you know, the locker room's small. There's not an area except for the hallway. And trust me, that guy is serious about doing everything he can to milk all the potential out of that seven foot four, seven foot five frame. I had a terrific interview when I was in Paris with his physical therapist, his, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I believe, I believe that gentleman might be on the Spurs staff now. He is. His name is Guillermo. Mm -hmm. And, um, he, those two guys are all business and I couldn't have been more impressed with him. I was very, not surprised, but very, I thought it was a very good thing that the Spurs hired him. Mm -hmm. And I know about some of the stuff that Victor does. I don't know a lot about it, but these guys are, you know, he's doing stuff that took LeBron four or five years in the league to figure out. And and he's doing stuff that there has been a lot of study and science put into every single thing that he does. And I think Chet has a very similar approach. And like, listen, these guys understand they're skinny. And they, but it's for neither one of these guys, it's it's not going to be about how much weight can you put on them. Like, no, you don't want either one of these guys to, you know, show up. Oh, I gained 28 pounds this offseason. It's like they're they're going to develop their bodies to maximize what they can do as these ridiculous dominant floor stretching rim protectors. They are like that's a term that didn't even exist until a few years ago. And these guys are going to take that thing to just a completely different stratosphere. You know, I mean, you you can talk about like Brooke Lopez. He's kind of the first. Miles Turner, Porzingis, especially now that he's accepted that that uh, he's a center. These guys are going to take it to a whole new stratosphere because this this the the length, the athleticism, but the skill. The, the, the skill on both these guys is ridiculous. And then you take into uh, account their competitiveness. Jackson just yeah. posted a, a photo of Victor doing a split. Um, <laughs> it's from, it was from last summer, but um, seven foot five and he can do a split. And um, his mother, uh, Victor's mother is a fascia therapist. In addition to a basketball coach. I did not know what a fascia therapist was. Um, he had to explain it to me, but it's, um, and I apologize if I don't exactly have it right, but it's a, um, 
it's a treatment and study and um, and work on the sort of the membranes of the body. There's all kinds of membranes everywhere. And she is very, she has devoted her career to, and I think there's a holistic approach to it. And please don't, don't hold me to all this. I'm not trying to say what it is 100% accurately, but um, the point is Victor's mother was really interested in tissues and, and membranes and Victor, you know, has in addition to being incredibly uh, healthy eater his whole life, mm-hmm. um, his mom said that she never made the same meal for her three children twice. I found that hard to believe, as did Victor. But um, <laughs> uh, but that's a lot. That's a lot of meals. I'm just gonna yeah. say it's one of those it's- things where you're like you're not gonna stop her, but she did say it. She also has. Uh, a terrific name, Elodie. It's a great name. Anyway, um, okay, just check out the highlights on this game. Prepare yourself for the Wembenyama era, whether you like it or not. Well, and, um, and, and prepare yourself for the Wimby Chet era. Yeah, yeah that's going to be bad. And that to me has been I, the old, the point I've been trying to make the whole time is that it's not Victor is unbelievable. It's not to take away from Victor, but like you said, McMahon. These guys, this is a real rivalry, and this is a real legitimate rival to this guy, and they have history, and it's like respectful dislike, which is awesome. There's no like, yeah, you know, like like you said, there's like a hello, we're going to play, and then it's all business, and they go out each minutes, and it's awesome. They play the same position. They're in the same division. They're going to be in the same conference for years, going at it in the playoffs. Hopefully, assuming the Spurs get better, which I mean, they're going to have Victor. They're going to be a good step. They can't there get just worse, right? Yeah. They're, they're like, fighting they're, for Rookie of the Year now. They're going to be fighting for Defensive Player of the Years in the future. And honestly, they they very well could be fighting for MVPs. Sure. Now, I, you know, we'll see if Chet develop. Like, I'm very confident saying Victor's going to be in that conversation, and I think Chet's got a chance. I mean, Chet's, Chet's flirt with 50, 40, 80 and 20 points a game as a rookie playing center on a great team with like great n- numbers across the board. Like yeah. he's going to be the, in the mix for that kind of stuff. And the other thing people say, well, you know, the durability, that's going to be a big question mark with Chet. And then obviously he misses his whole rookie year because of the foot injury. He has missed a grand total of zero games this year, which is the same number that he missed at Gonzaga. It's the same number that he missed in high school. This guy is a battler. And wants and these and that's the best part. They both want to play. They both mm-hmm. want to play all the time. Like it's it's awesome. It's just awesome stuff for the league. It's really it's really exciting. Well, I think it would be amazing if Chet Holmgren could get a spot on the Olympic team. It doesn't look like that's going to happen, but well, we'll see. The, we'll the, see what happens. The, the, the US the US needs him and so it's also potentially going to happen at the Olympics in the future. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, Even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. 
Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right, Bontemps, you were what? at, yep. I was going to say, speaking of team, no, I was just going to say, speaking of team USA. You were at the Warriors uh, game at the Garden uh, on uh, Thursday night. The Warriors got that win. Um, Steph Curry broke out of a little slump that he'd been having. Just hadn't been shooting the ball really well. You could almost see that coming, happening in the Garden where he's had some great games in his career, including breaking the three-point record a couple of years ago. He um, he got out to a really good start, and they improved to set uh, like, like I said, uh, five and one now since they moved Clay Thompson to the bench. Clay had another pretty good game. He didn't shoot the ball as well as he has been, but um, he shot the ball pretty well. And um, and look, the Knicks are still banged up on temps, but uh, the Lakers right now is recording this Potter in serious trouble of losing to the worry to the Wizards. It's in overtime. If that happens, the Warriors will retake the ninth seat from them. But uh, obviously, the the Warriors have it moving in the right direction. Yeah, I mean they they've been playing better. You know, seven road wins in a row was certainly a nice thing, especially considering how bad they were on the road last year. It's quite the dichotomy between the two seasons. You know, Jonathan Kaminga had a great game today. Wow, what a word! Good job. Well, Go. I have to try to, I have to continue to try to improve your vocabulary. We're going there a, a word at a time, a day at a time. We're getting <laughs> there. But you know, Jonathan Kaminga has made real strides. Been a huge, huge thing for the Warriors this year to have him really step into a solidified starting role. Brandon Pajamski been really good again. Young guy, rookie stepping into a solidified starting role in the backcourt. Um, I mean, you've got Moses Moody now playing in place of Andrew Wiggins. We'll see how long he's away from the team mm-hmm. uh, due to some personal reasons. Uh, Steve Kerr said he expects him back at some point this season, but did not know when, when asked about it before the game today. But, you know, for the Warriors, they continue to move in a good direction. And on the other side of things, the Knicks now lost seven of nine. They look like a tired team, one that's dealt with a ton of injuries and fatigue on top of that with minutes played because of the amount of injuries they've had. And some of Tom Thibodeau's stubbornness, frankly, like playing Jonathan or Josh Hart 47 minutes today in this game, which I don't think was necessary under the circumstances. And now we've talked a lot about how bunched up the West is. In the East, you've got teams four to six. I guess Miami since lost tonight. So you've got Philly and New York on 25 losses. And then you've got Miami, Indiana, and Orlando all in 26. And you've got both the Sixers and the Knicks dealing with a ton of injuries that are going to be going on here for a while. Yeah. And with the Knicks, like you don't know if Julius Randle, like you don't know when he's coming back, if he's coming back, if he's going to be able to stay on the floor when he does come, when and if he does come back. And as as great as Jalen Brunson has been, like you need more than one guy who can be a primary creator. And they've really, like, it's a point they really 
really need Randall to be in the mix to have any hope of being uh, a real threat. Yeah, the um, the Knicks have lost seven of ten, and Miami has been was right on their heels coming into tonight. Miami lost in Denver, which pushed them back, but they're in serious danger of losing playoff traction. Meanwhile, by the way, as an aside, Philly's been struggling. They're doing mm-hmm. okay, but they're no, they're just, not. They've been they've been getting drilled. Yeah, what's, but what's they, the record they, they, without Embiid on Tim seven and seven and seventeen. Okay. okay. They've had a couple of wins recently, but yes, on balance, they've been struggling. Um, New York, like we mentioned, has been struggling. The Cavs are three and four in their last seven, and that includes Max Struess hitting a 60-footer. Don't exaggerate. They also survived uh, a game uh, right before the All-Star break where Kobe White had a potential game winner, a relatively clean look that he missed. So they're three and four in the last seven, and in a blink of an eye, it could be one and six. But okay. They're not, but meanwhile, Milwaukee has won four in a row, and now Milwaukee. Now Milwaukee has a tough Western road trip coming up, but um, you know the 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 composition of the East has um, has moved around a little bit and continues to move around with um, with some of those teams that were had separated themselves, basically you know losing more, and that's uh, you know a huge opportunity for Milwaukee because they were kind of they were four or five games back of uh, of the Cavs in the in the loss column and now as we do this pod they just swept the baseball series with the Hornets actually I think it was a home and home and now they're one game back of the Cavs in the loss column and Listen, um, if you can win in Charlotte you can win anywhere <laughs> that's right <laughs> and I believe Milwaukee actually pulled ahead in the tiebreaker for the Cavs uh, against the Cavs tonight so it's even closer than that um, and and if as long as Embiid's out or not himself I think that uh, Milwaukee has the best player in the East by a decent margin. Like Giannis is on a different tier than your, you know, your your Tatum's or anybody else you want to bring sure. up. For sure, for sure, for yeah, sure. And and Milwaukee continues to look like they're they're polishing off some rough edges. Their their defense is improving. They're starting to run some actions that is that are more familiar with what Dame ran in um, in Portland and. They're making incremental progress. I don't want to go overboard because, like I said, they got a tough schedule coming up and they could take some losses. They still are weak defensively, but it's worth pointing out. They're improving defensively. They're better yeah. defensively. Um, I mean, it couldn't get a whole lot worse, but they are better. Bontemps, you've had a long day today. It's it's 1 a.m. Eastern right now. Um, you, this morning or yesterday morning, went down to Philadelphia because Joel Embiid um, – spoke for the first time since having uh, surgery on his meniscus. There wasn't a ton of gigantic commentary, but he said some important things. And what did you take away from that? Yeah, to me, I thought this was a lot like when Julius Randle talked the other day and we talked about how it sort of, I think, reaffirmed a lot of the stuff that we already suspected about what was going to happen with Julius in terms of his, his recovery from his shoulder issue and whether he would get back on the court and sort of what that would look like. And I think we've seen in talking to Joel today, I think it did sort of do a lot of the same stuff. Sort of the, the general belief around the Sixers has been, they've been, a, would say, a cautious optimism, if not just flat out optimism, that Joel would play at some point this season. He reiterated that today, said he expects to be back, assuming his rehab continues to go well on his knee, play at some point this year. And, you know, feels good about where he's at. Wouldn't have done anything differently as far as what happened in the game in Golden State. 
said the team had been struggling. You wanted to play, felt like you should play, got out there and played, said at that point, you got to just live with what happened. Admitted it was disappointing with how well he was playing for him to miss some time, but was overall in good spirits. You know, the Sixers, as you like the Sixers, as McMahon referred to, have struggled mightily without Joel. There's some frustration there with the way they've played. Tobias Harris, in particular, has been a real disappointment with Joel and beat out. Tyrus Maxey's played well. Tobias has not really stepped in as the second guy in a way they need him to, especially with Joel out of there. And, you know, but all that being said, we talked about all these other injuries in the East. And the way this thing is sitting right now, if the Sixers can get to sixth or seventh in the East going into the playoffs and Joel Embiid is healthy, and I think the way this is trending, my expectation is we'll see Joel Embiid sometime in the next month, probably in the later end of that. And if everything goes well and he gets back out on the court a couple weeks before the end of the regular season, gets himself ready for the playoffs, if they're on the opposite side of the bracket as the Boston Celtics when the playoffs start, he and the Sixers are going to feel confident they can beat anybody and make a run. And if they've got a healthy Joel and a healthy Tyrese Maxey with an improved supporting cast around him with Buddy Heald and Kyle Lowry in there in place of Patrick Beverly and, you know, for God, Korkmaz or Daniel House, whatever guy that was barely in the rotation before, all of a sudden that's a deeper team with shooting around him and some playoff experience The guys like Batum and other guys have been in postseason before. Kyle Lowry's oh, obviously won a title with, with, with Nick Nurse in Toronto. And they're going to feel confident that they are going to be good enough to make a real run. So like I said, it was good to see Joel in good spirits today, but more than anything, you got to look at it as it sort of confirmed what the sort of soft hope was, which is that the MVP of the league, at least for a couple more months, is got a chance to be back. And if he's back and live in the fight, like you said, McMahon, He's the one guy that is up there in that tier, obviously, with Giannis. And if he's sitting there in the playoffs healthy, you know, if you're the Cavs in a 2-7 or 3-6 and you see a healthy Joel Embiid sitting there, that's a doomsday scenario, you know. Well, or if you're the Bucs and you get things sorted out and then you're sitting there with a healthy Joel Embiid in a 2-7 matchup, that's a certainly a titanic first-round matchup. There's just – it could be a – it's probably the biggest single variable left in a regular season. It's like, when's he going to come back and what's he going to look like when he does? Well, and obviously there's no point sweating – what the Sixers seed is going to be because they're they're not going to be uh, a top two or three seed. It's just not going to happen. So whatever it is, six, seven, whatever the case may be. Um, And then it's, it's obviously doesn't be come back and can he get anywhere near that form that he was in, you know, and not, not even necessarily like more points than minutes, which only Wilt has done, but can he, play at an MVP caliber level when he's going to have missed weeks and weeks and weeks. And as you said, probably best case scenario, maybe can get a couple of weeks at the end of the regular season to try to, you know, get back in in rhythm to get his legs back under him. You got to assume it's going to be some conditioning challenges after that sort of a layoff. It's it's an awfully tough task. So one of the things people ask me uh, is that like there or there there was a kind of a reaction today about that Embiid said he was going to come back. I'm not sure why people think it's controversial that he would come back. I think it's probably an overcorrection from how he looked like he played on a sore knee before he suffered the meniscus tear. But like there are people saying to me, like, I can't believe that he might risk it or the Sixers might risk it. If he's cleared to play, 
Right. And, and his knee is healthy. I mean, his knee is never going to be, you know, great. That's, you know, he knows that. Of course he's going to try to play. He's only going to get so many I, playoff opportunities during his prime. Which is what he said today. Yeah, well, that, he, like, he's going to punt on yeah. one if he's cleared to play. That'd be insane. Well, yeah, I mean, as you said, Brian, Joel Mead said today he's got it said I've maybe got 20 years to play. So yeah, I saw that. Maximize. I would hope for everybody's <laughs> sake that he has 20. I don't think he does, but let's hope that he's well, right I mean, he's he's already been in the league for 10, I think. So if he has another 10, it'd be great. Let's That'd have be, him stick around as possible. But but uh, I think a lot of this to me is he hasn't really an been correction, really. From, he's missed like he missed two well, he missed, years. He missed, the, he missed the first two, but I mean he was drafted 10 years ago. The point is, I think I think a lot of that, frankly, is overcorrection from the way people talked about him after that Denver game and going into the golden state game about him missing that game and all the reaction to that. I'm not playing Denver yet again. And as I said at the time, and I can say again, I was around the Sixers a lot, obviously this season and Joel had been dealing with knee issues in that knee for two months. And even after the game, when he scored 70, he had a wrap on his knee, the size of most people's waist after the game. So it's not like it was the first time he had been dealing with something. And if you are wanting to be like, again, I agree with you, McMahon, him trying to get ramped up after the injury is going to be a pretty important thing. And it could be a pretty pivotal thing, especially if they don't get into the play and they stay in that six spot. You get that full week after the regular yeah. season to like really get him in condition. That would be good. But the other thing is, if you want to try to look at it from a positive standpoint, this is the guy who was doing all those things scoring 70 and scoring 30 and 10, put up 30 and 10 every night on a knee that was bothering him all the time. If he comes back and the knee feels good, like that could certainly counteract some of the time he was out from, if you're talking about a rust versus feel standpoints. So hopefully you know, more than anything, we just get to see him on the court. I didn't think it was any sort of surprise that he said, if he's cleared, he's playing in the playoffs and he's playing down. The, like as soon as he gets yeah. clear, he wants to come back. I wasn't there. You were obviously reading it. It seemed like he still expressed a strong commitment to playing for Team USA in the Olympics. I, I don't know if that. I mean, was... he got he got asked if he's going to play, and he said, "If I'm healthy, I'm going to play." But let's again, let's see what happens over the next two months. I think if he doesn't come back and play this season. You know, if he has a setback, I doubt he's going to go play for Team USA. I mean, maybe he would then. I don't know. But like, I would, I would I there's would a like lot of get... road, there's a lot of road to run between March yeah. 1st and whatever, August 1st or whenever, July 28th or whenever the Olympics start. So let's, let's get to the end of the regular season. Let's hopefully have the big fellow be back on the court. Let's have him have a healthy playoff run and then figure out whether he's going to play for Team USA. But he did get asked, and he did say, if I'm healthy, I'm going to play. I'd like to uh, give Daryl Moore some truth serum and, and get his thoughts on Embiid's playing for Team pretty USA. Sure, pretty sure he'll say whatever makes Joel happy works for me. That's, truth serum is the key word there. I guess it's two <laughs> words. Yeah, well, Daryl Moore in truth, it's a complicated situation. Uh, Chris Paul yeah, just, yeah. just became another player to fillet him about. Maybe oh, CP3 has been doing that since the minute he landed in Oklahoma City. That's By the way, to do. it's just he's he's going back over that same territory. Right. Chris Paul and uh, Dwayne Wade were on a podcast the other day, and um, they were talking about, they were telling a story about how um, I, I, I had to be 2011 
when um, when Chris Paul ended up getting traded to the Clippers, famously, that uh, the Heat had tried to trade for Chris Paul, and they went and they were they were laughing and smiling the whole way through the through mm-hmm. this discussion, but they were joking about who would get number three because Dwayne Wade incumbent number three, and CP three obviously, and they were joking that the reason the trade didn't happen was because. Uh, Dwayne refused to give up his number and Chris wouldn't change his number. And so the trade didn't happen. And then many people maybe aggregators, maybe believe that that was a true story, that that was the, why the trade didn't happen. And hello, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> of course, that wasn't the reason the trade <laughs> didn't happen. That is, I feel sort of silly to say this, but like, I thought I was, I thought like everybody was just in on the joke. And then I was looking and, and then some people that I like, you know, respect were like, can you believe that that they did that Chris Paul didn't go to Miami because he wouldn't wear number three? And I was like, no, I can't believe that. So we can move that aside. I'll just say two things about that real quick. Number one, I- I'm sure that he did have some discussions when Chris Paul was made available because that's what the Heat do. The number that they had to deal with was not number three. The number was David Stern's cell phone number because David Stern <laughs> was deciding who was getting traded. And, you know, I'm not sure how you would have felt about that. Number two, the trade that would have taken for David Stern to approve it would have been Chris Bosh. And the Heat were not trading Chris Bosh for Chris Paul. They did not, we were not going to trade the guy who they were about to make their franchise center, which is what happened basically that year, for another guard. So, sorry, just to go on that little rant. Uh, By the way, speaking of LeBron, uh, the Lakers did beat the... uh, Wizards in overtime. Wizards. They uh <laughs> nothing, nothing, literally nothing but L's in February. They are the lizards until they get a W. Well, you speaking of the end of February, which we are now in March, oh, yeah. a month has ended. And that means, Mr. McMahon, it is your time to shine. More Hoop Collective Podcast after this. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Cajones Factor Player of the Month. It ain't going to be Kyle Kuzma. He missed a three there at the end that would have sent it into double OT. But we've got a we got a decent crop uh, this month. Good enough to where, boys, I'm going to go with an, an honorable mention. Oh, okay. Paulo Bancaro. Oh. Yeah, you know it. Hey. Might have been a travel. They didn't blow the whistle. 
They did not blow the whistle. And that last two-minute report is always accurate. Said it was an accurate call. CNC. CNC, baby. Game-winning and one jumper in the last second over Jalen Duran. And boys, he got a little verklempt, a little emotional in the on-court interview afterwards. But I tell you what, nothing wrong with a man shedding some tears. And I've been told by the IT department, I better not make fun of this. And I certainly want to uh, continue to enjoy her services. So I'm not going to poke any fun at it. I've been I've been getting lectures about toxic masculinity and uh, things like that. So the man was oh, emotional. Wow. The man was emotional about it. And uh, listen, I might I might shed a few tears if I hit a uh, a game winner in the last second too. So he gets the honorable mention. All right. The brass. We I like your personal growth aspirations there. Yes. Man. EQ. All kinds aspirations of are right. aspirations are the key word there. Aspirations. Emphasis on ass. Um, just, just, just emphasis on, just emphasis on hopefulness. Jackson wants to know if men under five ten can shed tears. Absolutely. Listen, Jackson. Men of all sizes, let the waterworks flow, baby. It's okay. <laughs> it is okay. Wow. I cry every time I turn on the Zoom and see Bontemps oh, up God. your face. So you can too. <laughs> oh, damn it! I was lectured on not calling you ugly anymore. Too. I'm sorry, Bontemps. I'd, I'd like to apologize. You're not. You're also. <laughs> Oh, you're also not sorry, so it's okay. I am it's all sorry. Good. I apologize. Life, life, my life is good. On with my the good. Uh, also, I don't want to draw the wrath of the beautiful K Bond. That's um, the much bigger issue than me. Trust exactly. me. Exactly. Brass slash bronze. Steph Curry. <clears throat> 26 points and 19 clutch minutes. And boys, you remember February 10th. The catch, the pivot. Oh. The cash from 29 feet to beat the Suns. Max Strews laughs at 29 feet. Listen, don't you be All right, doing sorry. spoilers here. Sorry, don't sorry, you sorry. be doing it. Let Steph enjoy his, his moment in the sun. He doesn't get very many of them, so let him enjoy this moment. That's right. It's been a rough go for Steph. Okay. Very so rough. staying in California, just a little bit down the road from the Bay, going to Sacktown, baby. De'Aaron Fox. Listen, the Kings have kind of been scuffling. They needed some uh, cojones from the reigning clutch player of the year. Man, his clutch stats this month, 34 points, 13 and 19 from the floor, six assists in 23 minutes. I mean, he did some. Whoa, that's back to to basics, baby. 13 and 19. He did some. Not happy about missing the All-Star. Cooking. And listen, uh, actually going right into the All-Star game. They had that road win over the Nuggets. And the Nuggets might have been kind of coasting to the break, but still, a road win in Denver, you're doing something right. He had buckets on five straight possessions, starting with two minutes, two seconds left, to go from down one to up seven in that game. Then he comes out of the break, and it was a Spurs, and they shouldn't have been down late in the game, but they were. He hits the go-ahead three with a minute 21 remaining in that. Like I said, his stats were just ridiculous. So. De'Aaron Fox, the silver for Coney's Factor Player of the Month. And Wendy, it's not just the gold. It's the wine and gold, baby. The <laughs> wine and gold. Max Struess. <laughs> and it's, this is basically off a of one-game sample size. But you know what? When that one-game sample size is you come back from 10 points in the final 342, and one dude goes five of five from three-point range in that span, 
and puts the exclamation points with a 59-foot buzzer beater, that's going to get you Cajones Factor Player of the Month, which really might be, aside from the contract, the crowning achievement of Max Struess's career. <laughs> well, that was quite a performance against the Dallas Mavericks, who have been almost unbeatable for the month of February, I might add, too. So that was a, a key factor. Another winning performance from you, McMahon. Great work. I appreciate it, fellas. Your support is always appreciated. It makes me feel warm and fuzzy. Bob, we like when you, you talk about you. for me. No, no. Okay, go on. We like when you talk about your feelings, McMahon. Please I'm working on it. to explore that. Working uh, on it, boys. All right. It's time to uh, wrap this up. Uh, thank you to Mr. Bontemps. Thank you to Mr. McMahon. Thank you to Jack. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective Podcast, and we will talk to you next week. Adios, amigos.